Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Beep, beep, beep. It's like Yarp in here. Those are the machines we're hooked up to. It's uh, checking our health, measuring our health, injecting us with new clean blood and all the stuff that they do in doctor houses, which is what I call hospitals. We both have these very nagging low-level colds. That just yeah. kind of cast a pallor over everything in our lives right now. It's like a 16% cold. I just feel its ever-present grip on my shoulder. It's beating my butt. It's beating my butt. <laughs> but I'm a weak I'm a weak boy man who is like a grandfather clock. And, you know, if I get one mouse stuck in the gears, what? What? That's gruesome. Is that like, was I thinking of Hickory Dickory Dock? And then I was thinking of like Occam's Razor, the logical outcome for one of these poor, poor mice. Jeez. Anyway, this Should is. Should we mention that, that you've taken some medication? Uh, oh, I took some soda. Yeah. Um, and so I'm feeling, you know, a little bit silly. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, there's going to be a lot of uh, ear, nose, and throat noises in this episode, and you're just going to have to learn to live with that. And we're tr- just going to get through it together, and this is how it works when you have a child in daycare. Sometimes you just, uh, you got to ride the ride the train, as they say, in ER. And if you're a Quad City DJ. If you're a Quad City DJ. Well, they were all, did you know this, licensed neurosurgeons. Oh. Yeah. Of uh, all the medical professions, that one's pretty prestigious well no because they know the folds of the brain so they know how to get an earworm in there and really drill it in so that it's literally the only song i can think of when i wake up in the morning for about 24 (laughs) years now so you know it worked it's science quad city djs come on and slam and welcome to the jam it's just science wait wait did they do that i don't know i know they did come on ride the train and ride it I'm going to owe a lot of people a lot of apologies if Quad City DJs didn't. Yeah, they did the freaking Space Jam. They did Space Jam and the train? Right? Neurosurgeons. (laughs) Do you have any small wonders? I do. Oh, good. Simone Bile. Simone Bile. Why do I know that? Oh, the gymnast. The gymnast that did the triple-double. Yeah, that was so fucking... No, is there a new triple-double? Well, I mean, new as of this week. I don't think I know what a triple-double is. It's a floor routine she did. And you like do like three twists and two somersaults midair. It was so badass that as she was coming down, I noticed there was an additional mat they had put on the ground because I think it was incredibly dangerous. Oh, I see. And so in addition to the like padded, you know, floor that comes with the floor routine, they put on a mat. And then once she landed it, they removed the mat. And oh, said, okay. I got to check this out. I got to watch this. Apparently she's the first person or the first woman anyway to ever land Is she going to get up in 2020? Is she heading to uh, to Tokyo? So she is 21 or 22. So yeah, I assume so. Oh God. I just got excited about the Olympics again. Yeah. Been she's a bit. incredible. Yeah. What are your small wonders? You can probably guess what it is. Is it White Claw? It's White Claw. It's so basic. <laughs> I feel guilty even talking about it. Griffin and I went to Schlitterbahn over the weekend. We went to Schlitterbahn. May have seen the photo. I breathed in some water and it gave me a sinus infection. (laughs) I went to Schlitterbahn. Uh, Yeah, we talked to we went with a couple friends who they were mentioning. So our our friends have a teen daughter. 
uh, who was extolling the virtues of White Claw to them at the teen party she goes to. And we thought, huh, we've never had that. And they happened to have it at Schlitterbahn. They did. For like $8 a can. Yeah, it was quite quite pricey. Uh, Only 100 calories. Only 100 calories. I mean, we don't need to advertise this very popular alcoholic beverage, but it's... But it was new to us. Yeah, it's like a hard (laughs) seltzer. It's like a liqueur. But with mm-hmm. some booze in there. And yeah. I don't know. I just, I am not a, the only time I really enjoy drinking these days is when it's like a summertime outdoor treat, swimming in a pool, which they have swim up bars at Schlitterbahn. And like, at the same time, like I can't drink anything sweet because like I can have one of those and it'll knock me out. So like a shandy, no, a cider, ugh, not really. And can I don't I like you? beer that much anymore. But this shit, woof, it was so nice. the reigning champion yeah. of summer potions has been Bud Light it's Lime. It's been Bud Light Lime. I would even kick that out because Bud Light Lime, I love you, but you're really sugary. and you, So it's been dethroned. I think it's been dethroned. I, I, you know, I, LaCroix is like the thing. It's what I am drinking now. It's what I drink most of the time when mm-hmm. we record because I don't do soda or anything like that. Like I don't like a lot of sugar and beer I like as like a boutique thing. Like I'll go and have like one very nice beer somewhere, yeah, but exactly. not like 14 Miller Lime anymore exactly so this was just like refreshing and you know you get a buzz on and you go down a water slide it was nice um yeah i would say that and just slitterbond in general they got some water slides there folks oh it's so fun they have that water uh, water coaster is no joke you blast uphill on a water slide it is so wild and so fun we also decided that we may never bring our child because it is oh my god it's so scary also uh what's your first thing you go first this week my first thing is the uh, dermatological phenomenon that uh, is the goosebump. Huh. Dun, 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 dun. Phrase that very carefully. You did not carefully enough, did you? <laughs> yes, not. Did you? Got monster blood. I don't even know what you're singing right now. That's the theme song to the Goosebumps TV show. Oh, see, I never, I never took in that particular product. Uh, very scary. Very mature. Monster mm. blood. Monster blood. The the one the scary camp one the camp one fucked me up. Do you remember the camp one? It I, fucked I just me told up. you I don't I didn't I didn't watch it. No 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 the the books you read the books though. No no I did not. Oh my god! No. I think I missed it. I think it was coming up right when I was coming out. <laughs> the camp one was. I'm going to spoil the camp one, but like all these spooky things happen at this camp. Yeah. And then at the very end of the book, it's revealed that like everyone's aliens and it's like a training program for like the protagonist of the book to go to earth and test out all this stuff. And it was the first book I had ever read with a twist ending. Ooh. And I was like, books can do that. <laughs> Thanks goosebumps. But you're talking about uh, goose flesh. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly because it serves no real purpose, huh. but its kind of origins were very much purposeful, and I find that kind of fascinating. So have you heard of this like, concept of like vestigial? Vestigial limbs, like yeah. unnecessary things? Well, or like organs, like you know how people a lot of times will have their um, appendix removed? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so goosebumps are kind of like that. So the idea is, and you'll see it in a lot of animals, you know how like when um, cats or dogs, like their fur raises up, yeah, like sure. their scruff raises up, um, that's the same that's what happens? kind of chemical huh. reaction happening in the body. Interesting. I never knew that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess the idea is that when we were much furrier uh, organisms. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, that served the purpose of making you look bigger. So when you would, you know, when you get goosebumps are usually like when you're cold or when you're frightened or when uh-huh. you're like particularly moved. And I guess the idea was that your hair would raise up to kind of make you look bigger and tougher. <sighs> My poor skin. My poor skin. It's like you're in danger, Griffin. You need to get out of here. This is me showing that. And I just don't even pay attention. I don't even give a <laughs> shit. I don't heed its warnings. Uh, so this uh, is considered, as I mentioned, a vestigial reflex. Uh, and the muff- muscles are known as the uh, erector pili muscles. There's muscles. I guess there's got to be muscles. They're tiny muscles at the base of each hair. That's so cute. Cute? cute little dots. Well, and if you think about it, so when I was talking about like cats and dogs, that's also uh, porcupines when they raise their quills. It's that same kind of muscle reaction. Ooh. Yeah. I like thinking about that. Me having quills. Cool. Uh, some of the, some of the things that also can cause it are, they talk a lot in the articles I read about music, that experience when you hear like a good piece of music. Oh, interesting. You get goosebumps, that kind of like emotional reaction. Well, that's the horny reflex. I think it's tied to that. Well, they talk about how the, the pleasure is driven by dopamine, right, which right. produces physical effects. It's that's, really just the one kind of juice that you got in there for music, for cold, <laughs> for horny. <laughs> for horny. <laughs> Um, I mean, that was the jam, not to get too blue, but you know, when you're kissing and you feel those bumps on your partner, you know that you're doing a good job. That feels nice, man. <laughs> That's nice. Feeling those bumps and you're like, I'm doing it. I'm doing good kissing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess that's true. Listen, we could talk. We could, <laughs> let's talk about necking and sex. We could be sex positive here. Uh, something that was interesting. So they talk about goosebumps as being strongest on the forearms, but also on the legs, face, or head. Face? Head? Can you imagine face or head? Huh? Yeah. yeah I don't apparently, get that. it's not as common, but yeah, you can I'll get say. them up there. Huh? Weird. Mm-hmm. If like a must, my mustache hairs poked outward. There's also <laughs> that'd be real great. It would be cool. It, it would point towards the danger. Mm-hmm. Where's my superpower hero comic book? There is a condition, a skin condition that mimics this, and it's called keratosis pilaris. Okay. So you just kind of have like perma goosebumps. Oh, that must be. Uh, I was about to say that that must be nice, but I have no bearing on how. No, I nice imagine or bad. it's terrible. Like, imagine if you want to like shave. Oh yeah, I guess it would be had tough. To deal with that. All I the like time. the feeling of goosebumps, but I also think it's like not something you would want constantly for mm-hmm. sure. So yeah, I again, I like it's it's more. I like what it is a symptom of. You know, of this like time period. You know, where like that served an actual function. Yeah. And now it's just kind of like, oh, it's chilly. <laughs> Boy, but we must have not been on top of our game, though, if we like had a, you know, a tiger charging us and we're like, mm. oh, my hair's sticking up. That must be dangerous. I should probably go. It was also, it also, there was like a suggestion that it, it would help um, provide like an extra layer uh of like uh insulation Whoa. so the idea was that the hair would raise up and it would wick the moisture away from the skin and Whoa. like yeah. mm-hmm. so if you are like uh, stranded on a frozen mountain after a plane crash you can turn to the other survivor and be like this is weird but i need you to like blow near my ear <laughs> <laughs> it's for living it's for life survival <laughs> Uh, can I do my first thing? Yes. Rachel and I talked about keeping this one actually a little short, which we talk about a lot and never follow through with. But my first thing is cinnamon. So I think we're going to probably truck on through. <laughs> Cinnamon's the good spice. Um, I, I 
I've never met anyone that loves cinnamon as much as you do. Here's the thing. I, everybody knows my proclivities for fruity candies. It's probably, it is my preferred suite of choice. You give me some Sour Patch Kids, some gummy bears, some Starburst, some Skittles, whatever. Like, you know I'm down. That's my jam. Not a big chocolate fan, but like, I'm not a big caramel fan. So when I need a sweet that is like on that sort of end of the, the more luscious end of the spectrum, uh, if you will... And that's not a fruity candy. Cinnamon is where I get that itch scratched. Cinnamon is my is my road dog for that. I love it. Cinnamon rolls, cinnamon f- French toast, cinnamon toast crunch, uh, whatever. It's just pound for pound. It's probably my favorite flavor is cinnamon. And I like watching teens try to eat it raw on the internet, even <laughs> though I think it's actually pretty deadly. It's great. I like it in tea. Cinnamon-based teas, my favorite kinds of teas. Did you ever, when you were a kid, do the, like, cinnamon sugar toast? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a McDonald's playset. This is sad. I had a McDonald's (laughs) playset where you would make French fries. And so I got that for, like, Christmas or something. And I was like, fuck yeah, McDonald's French fries. Are you at home whenever I want them? Buy all other food. And what it was is you took a piece of white bread and you cut all the crusts off. And then you put it in essentially what was a Fisher-Price pasta-like cutter uh, where you, like, put it in the top of this machine. You crank it through. An extruder. An extruder, yeah. And it would cut it into smaller strips. And then the finalizing the recipe is is you pour cinnamon and sugar all over them. And I remember like that Christmas morning, like eating those and being like, I mean, it's cinnamon sugar bread, but it's like wicked, not French fries. No, not at all. So I was lied to anyway. I wasn't complaining because I still got that good cinnamon flavor. Uh, I love cinnamon. So anyway, I looked up some fun facts about this thing that I put in my body all the time. Um, The best thing that I learned today is that it's at the bark of a tree. It's like the interior bark of a tree is what cinnamon is. You cut it, you cut the tree, you let the tree grow for like two years. The tree has berries in it, which is fucked up. I couldn't find anything about the cinnamon berries. Are they poisonous? What's up with these? How come nobody's told me about cinnamon berries? Is the tree just called like the cinnamon tree? I'm going to tell you the name of the tree okay. later because it's the best thing. Okay. okay. But you cut it down after it grows for two years and then um, and then you, you like from the stump new shoots will grow and you just cut those down. You dry them out real quick and, that's, and you get the cinnamon out from inside of them. That's where cinnamon comes from. The genus of tree that it comes from is called cinnamon. The, it's the cinnamon, which is so good. Can, can you spell that end part? So is it spelled like it's cinna? Cinna. Cinnamon. Mum. C i n n a m o m u m. It sounds like somebody just taking a run at the word cinnamon <laughs> and just like hitting the hurdle with both knees at the same time and just eating shit or right into like, the pavement. Or if like the biologist was working in his lab and his three-year-old came in and mm-hmm. said, what are you doing, daddy? And it's like, oh, I need to name this tree. And it was just like. It sounds like Jeffy from Family Circus trying to fucking say cinnamon. cinnamon. It's so good. Give me that sweet root of the cinnamon tree. I love it. It's so good. That's my favorite. Uh, 2016, 75% of the world's supply of cinnamon came from Indonesia and China. There's different like types of cinnamon tree uh, bark stuff that you can get. The most common uh, is, is the stuff that comes from China, which is called cassia. Uh, that's why it's common. It's the most common type of cinnamon. It's commonly called Chinese cinnamon. That is why. Um, but there are like five countries in the world that grow like 99% of the, of the cinnamon. 
uh and so it it uh it the name is like essentially the same throughout ancient history we call it cinnamon but like uh ancient greek and uh in hebrew i think it's called cinnamon uh so like they really haven't switched this one around very much uh it's it was imported to egypt as early as 2000 bc and it was this precious thing like that you could gift to uh, rulers or you could sacrifice to gods uh, so like they, they knew what was up they were just like one generation away from like having cinnamon toast crunch and being like oh my god let's give this to the pharaoh uh, and they used it in the embalming process for mummies Whoa. delicious spicy mummies are you kidding me where's that breakfast cereal that Cin- actually would that would really Cinna work mummies. oh my gosh griffin tm 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 TM, 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 please don't take this. Uh, and yeah, I talked about the tree and it's great. I gotta know <laughs> about these berries. It's an evergreen tree. It's always there for you. It's always making cinnamon. A uh, big part of Turkish and Persian cuisine. Some people use it medicinally and like that's probably, you do you. Do you. I'm not here to yuck your yum. Uh, there is a certain, uh, there are studies about its toxicity when taken in large amounts. So maybe read up on that before you eat it to, you know, yeah. uh, increase your eyesight or something like that. But otherwise, small doses, moderation, mm-hmm. cinnamon. Cinnamon. What's your favorite cinnamon something something? What's your favorite little cinnamon treat? Oh, I mean, oof, oof. Uh, I mean, the cinnamon roll is hard to beat extraordinary uh i like that cinnamon coffee that we have yeah uh, the cinnamon tea we have is really good too i've always liked cinnamon toast crunch uh-huh I honestly, I can't think of a cinnamon thing I don't like. Hey, welcome to the revolution. It's the best fucking flavor. <laughs> I like it like uh, like spiced like nuts, like spiced pecans. We got some of those oh. from Bucky's with cinnamon mm-hmm. all over them. Mm, damn. Cinnamon. Cinnamon. Go out and buy a big heaping handful of cinnamon from your local cinnamon dealer. Just head on down. <laughs> Tell them Griffin sent you. They're going to get you. Now, is it legal in all 50 states? It is medicinal in uh, Wyoming. Do I need to go to my doctor to get a prescription? Yeah, just tell them that you need to taste a good flavor. And usually that's enough for you to get your your, uh, your card. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> love this spice. <laughs> hey, baby. Yeah. Can I make it spicy? Yes. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom (laughs) gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, This this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. 
So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people, you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain can i read you a personal message sure yeah this message is for jeremy it is from heather my darling husband, Jeremy. What? I'm Heather right now. Oh, you started the message. Should I use my Heather voice? You know how jealous and confused I, I get. My darling husband, Jeremy. Thank you for being my best friend, my rock, my heart. I love you more every day. The past few years have been tough, but we got this. Love your crazy wife, Heather. Ooh, that's a good love. It is hard to find people who are also rocks. People who can transform into a rock. That is really handy when you want to keep a door open and it's windy out. You want to keep a door open when somebody's having an uncomfortable conversation with you. Mm -hmm. Poof. Now you're talking to a rock. Get dunked on. (laughs) Here's a message for Sheen, and it's from Jess, who says, Sheen, I'm so lucky to be your lady. I don't know. uh, I didn't know I could love someone the way I love you. Thank you for watching Drag Race with me and uh, for putting up with Bobastis, uh, even though you're allergic to cats. I'm honored to be with someone so loving and creative who also happens to uh, have a perfect butt. Let's go on a writing date and make spicy pizza soon. Lot to uh, crack into there in that one. Um, I mean, I'm focused on the perfect I know you are. I know you're always focused on the perfect (laughs) butt. I want to go to buttrankings.com and see if that butt's up there. Well, it's it's tough, right? It's subjective. Everybody's favorite perfect butt is different. Like my idea of a perfect butt is just one big cheek. And you know that. Yeah. And you know that, and that's why uh, <laughs> we work so well. And I'm not going to say anything about how Rachel has one big butt cheek. It is hard for me to wear pants. And do other stuff. <laughs> Hello, I'm Mujan Safagari, and I play a bunch of characters on Mission to Zix, an improvised science fiction podcast on Maximum Fun. And this is our incredible sound designer, Shane. Hello. Now, Shane makes it possible for me to play a thousand billion characters in our galaxy. Such as the Bajarian Jane, Ship of the Stars. And the Enforcer Joy, prepare to eat pancakes. And wait, let's get dusted up, baby. 
Emissary Turk Mannequin. Hey, I just got out of their amp. And the horrible life! Ah! Oh, also there are five other cast members, and we'll give them just all a second to say hi. Uh, hello. Yeah, that's enough. Okay, so the season finale of Mission to Six is coming out next week, so it's the perfect time to dive in and catch up with our intrepid crew as they explore the Six Quadrant. So give us a listen to Mission to Six on Maximum Fun. What's your second thing? My second thing is Skipper and Ping. What's that? Two penguins. <laughs> Two penguins that are in love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Buckle yeah. up, Griffin. Oh, yes. Buckle up. Yes. Zick, click. <laughs> uh, so I saw like a uh, little news board about this. Yeah. And I had to get more. I had to get deeper. And so I went to Popular Science. And found all about two male penguins at the Berlin Zoo that are co-parenting an abandoned egg. <sighs> an abandoned penguin egg or is it another? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm just the only way it could get better is if it was like a velociraptor in there. But go on. Zookeepers say that the 10-year-old king penguins named Skipper and Ping are looking after the egg. Caretakers place the egg in their vicinity after watching them attempt to hatch stones and other odds and ends. Oh, my God. Including, apparently, at least one dead fish. Less, less good. <laughs> the stones were good. The dead fish is sad <laughs> in a way. Come on now, Papa. Come on now, Bubba. Daddies are ready for you, Bubba. We just had to put the uh, egg in front of one of the males. He immediately know what knew what to do. This is the first time we have tried to have a same-sex penguin couple incubate an egg, said Keeper Norbert Zammel. So good. Uh-huh. I'm loving this shit, uh-huh. this happy feet shit. Uh, if the egg is actually fertilized, so that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> It may or may not contain a, oh, a little penguin. Oh, well, know. babe. Hey, babe. Apparently, there's a group in the Berlin Zoo. There's a group of six king penguins and just one female. Okay. And she has a habit of abandoning her eggs. Well. So I think they've just decided, all right, well. Her, her, that's her choice. Yeah. But no, yeah. It's, I mean. It is, uh, <laughs> it's obviously disappointing for me. Is there any other way we can fertilize these things? Um, well, so hatching a penguin egg mm-hmm. is a big commitment. Oh, no kidding. And and they typically need two willing partners because the eggs must be kept warm for around 55 days. Mm-hmm. And so they need two parents so they can have one that takes turn guarding the egg and the other go out and, and find dance food. And sing. Mm, with happy feet? Ah, happy feet. Mm-hmm. Did, you uh, see, did you watch happy feet? A little bit of it, yeah. Do you watch Happy Feet? I think I ever watched the whole thing. Everybody sings, but he danced with his happy feet. Did you watch March of the Penguins? A little bit. A lot of penguin death in that one. Wouldn't yeah. advise it. I, I turned it on to watch it with Henry, and it was like, this one <laughs> dropped his egg, so he's just going to sort of stand here until he dies. And I'm like, well, <laughs> click. This is Happy Feet. <laughs> he does dancing because he can't sing good. Look at him. Look at Happy Feet. Don't look at March of the Penguins. Uh, the first recorded incident of penguin homosexuality was in 1911. Huh. There incident was a, is a strange choice of words. Recorded incident. They didn't know about any previous history until this oh, recorded incident. <laughs> Uh, Antarctic explorer wrote it down in Greek to dissuade casual readers and omitted the behavior. <sighs> so he was he was shocked Shh. by it. I mean, it, so this was just like out 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 and about. Well, he was in Antarctica, just killing, just looking around, taking notes. So good. 
Uh, scientists only recently rediscovered these findings in 2012. So for almost 100 years, or I guess over 100 years, these these notes about the penguins just remained unread. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be so blown away by by gay animals, right? Like, and I'm not. I understand that that is a thing. But like, it's penguins, man. It's the penguins. I know. It's the penguin part of it that really, really pops it off for me. I know. So here, this is this is the thing. So I didn't realize how many instances of penguin couples there are throughout zoo history. Oh, wow. Uh, Because, you know, everybody talks about how penguins are monogamous, but they don't really like mate for life. They just tend to stay with one partner during the entire mating period i mean if you find somebody who won't drop an egg after holding it for 50 days you need to lock that shit down (laughs) uh the other famous pair of mated male penguins is uh roy and silo who were in new york city uh they were also given an egg in need um and the couple resulted in the hatching of a healthy little girl named tango oh tango uh unfortunately roy and silo don't don't. They and broke up. Bro, they broke up. Okay, they that's their up. choice too, I guess. They broke up after six years. That's uh, a good run, Which is though. a good yeah. run for a penguin. Yeah. At Oh, here's another thing. At Ireland Dingle Ocean World Aquarium. Oh, sorry. Let You're me gonna read that again. It, please. At Ireland's Dingle Ocean World Aquarium. Dingle. This is, oh, it's this so is an good. article from May 2019, so this is also very recent. Oh, shit. Okay. The majority of the penguins are gay with eight of the 14 penguins coupled with a partner of the same sex. That's really good stuff. And it also explains that one episode of Parks and Rec like, yeah. a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I think penguins are maybe one of the best animals. They're so good. They're really good. Where do they get off? Where do they get off? What are you doing with those wings? And I just love the idea of these penguins going around trying to hatch rocks. Because they want so badly to to foster to a, start a little family. No, how great! How great is that? We're projecting a lot of human emotions onto these <laughs> fish birds, but I love them. Uh, can I do my second thing? Yes. Uh, so I I want to talk about a musical artist, uh, an album by that artist. And full disclosure, I have talked about them before, weirdly, in the segment where I talked about uh, the Spotify discovery playlist stuff, where I also talked about snail mail. That's where I found snail mail before you did a segment, and, and I became like yeah. deeply, deeply obsessed with that. So this is all very full circle. Another band I talked about uh, is a, a trio of sisters who are vocalists called The Roaches, R-O-C-H-E-S. Uh, and I want to talk about their first self-titled album, The Roaches. Um, when I when I first talked about them, I didn't really know anything about them. I knew one song that had appeared on my Discover playlist uh, that was called Hammond's Song, and it, this was a, little, a while ago. So I'll play a little bit of that song to get you get you all refreshed. What 
what is the time period for this group? So the the roaches kind of came up uh, in the like seventies. They okay. technically formed in nineteen seventy three. It's three sisters. Two of them used to uh, play in a band together. Uh, that was sort of not critically well received, and the, the third sister joined in. Uh, they did some work with like Paul Simon, but this was part of like this uh, post, like the next generation of like folk artists after like Joni Mitchell and Bob Dylan. Uh, and really this album, The Roaches, is like the only album that kind of sounds like this because then you start getting into like, they went electronic very much, oh like pretty gosh, much right after. Oh funny. Um, and the rest of the music is like, the rest of their albums are, are, are interesting and good. But like this album, it, it I know it's strange to talk about them again, but since I did that bit, uh, about the Discover playlist stuff. Uh, I have just been so, so in love with this album and I listened to it so much that it reached the point where it had gotten kind of weird uh, that I had never talked about them on the show before. Uh, so it's three sisters, Maggie, Terry, and Suzzy Roach. Uh, and they, they they formed this trio in, in 1973 and made albums. Sure and Susie? It's Suzzy. I trust on this. Um, yeah, it's S-U-Z-Z-Y, Suzzy. Oh, okay. I know. Uh, I'll tell you why I know how the name is pronounced okay. here in a second. Uh, and they, they like made music and did live shows and stuff up through 2017, which is uh, that's sadly when Maggie, who is the eldest sister, uh, passed away. Um, and their sound like changed a lot over over that time but they really gained traction with this first album uh they came up in what was called the new york folk scene in the 70s uh and yeah i think it was just sort of after the 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 roaring 60s when folk music like really 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 took the fuck off and then it was like well okay what's what's next what's the next big thing and a lot of different people like tried to define what that was uh, this album, man. The, 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 What's the name of the album again? The Roaches. It's oh, okay. just their name, which doesn't have an A in it. It's not the bug. Uh, they're so fucking funny. Like they are really, really funny. They have a lot of like stage performances that are like oh. on YouTube because like they were around during the era where recorded video of concerts was possible. Uh, and they're just so like casually funny. They have that like. They got that blood harmony comedy that is like the thing I covet. They also have just straight up blood harmony because all of their music has these just beautiful, soaring, weird harmonies uh, to it. And it it's has just like you and your brother. Just no, oh, hopefully. Uh, and but their songs have that that humor in it too. Just like that super wry folk music humor, that like satire that is just laced through them. So the opening track is called "We." And it's just a, tr- a song where they introduce themselves. Uh, and it opens with, we are Maggie and Terry and Suzzy. Maggie and Terry and Suzzy Roach. We don't give out our ages and we don't give out our phone numbers. Give out our, fr- give out our phone numbers. Sometimes our voices give it out, but not our ages and phone numbers. And then they just go on to talk about like how they're now they they were born in New Jersey, but now we live in New York City. But we have to get out of here before the shit hits the fan. But anyway, uh, yeah, well, who have we worked with that's famous? Let's figure like this is all in the opening track of the song, like <laughs> introducing themselves. There's a song called Dear Mr. Selak, where the, uh, one of them sings uh, like begs her old boss for her job back after the music recording industry implodes. Uh, like... It, and and during their stage performances, like their their banter is just like so so good. Uh, but also on this album, like sandwiched between those funny songs, are like these beautiful and oftentimes like kind of sad, poignant, uh, just incredible songs that just live alongside the the goofier ones. Uh, so I want to play a couple of of tracks off the album. 
one of my favorite songs is called Runs in the Family. And it's got those like great harmonies and the, the, the most of the album is just acoustic, like just a, usually just a guitar accompanying them. Uh, and instead of being like satirical, it's this observational song about how sometimes folks fall into uh, patterns established by earlier generations of your family, uh, which in turn like makes you follow those patterns and the future generations after you follow them too. So like the thing they point out is, and they're in in their family in their family or at least in the family like that is described in the song like getting married young due to an unplanned pregnancy is like a thing that sort of instills that 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 idea in the next generation and at that point like do you even have a choice in the matter like it's a heady ass topic yeah, to is. go up right after a song about how uh, everybody on this train is so sweaty like <laughs> and that's pretty much where it lies so here's a little bit of runs in the family I can't get over what I saw I can't change the law of averages I'm going down My uncle did it My daddy did it I'm beginning to think that it runs in the family my favorite song on the album comes on right after that. It's like the next to last song, uh, and it's called "Quitting Time." I love it so much. I listen to it all the time. Uh, it's got it's those, really beautiful. Like it, it's it, so the good. Quality of their voices is so perfect. The quality of their voices is perfect, but the imagery of it is so so incredible. It's such a poignant song, and I don't actually know what it means. Like I I I, I read it as kind of a satirical like eulogy for a retiring business person who's having trouble like adjusting to not working anymore and entering that chapter of their life uh but reading online like there's people who see it as this jubilant ballad of somebody leaving this job they didn't like behind to like chase their passions i found a review from the new york times back in like 1975 which is i think when this album came out that talked about it being about an uh, like a workplace affair and i was like damn new york times from 1975 i didn't read it that way at all but it's got this imagery describing like this, uh, you know, this industrial business skyline in the sunset and leaving that behind. And and the chorus is so amazing. It's uh, it goes, you can go south in winter, be what you are, a goose. You can live near the ocean. Your clothes can fit you loose. It's so oh, fucking like great. That uh, so here is a, a, a little bit of quitting time. So yeah, I, I know I've talked about them before, but it's one of those things where just like, I think this album is so special. I like uh, hunted it down on vinyl as quickly as I possibly could, which I really only do with albums that I think are really amazing. Uh, and it is it is wild to me that like I did not, and I felt this way uh, about uh, Judy Sill as well, like why I never heard about them, like why yeah. I, why their names aren't, you know, written in the stars alongside 
uh, Bob Dylan and Joni Mitchell. I think one of them married uh, Loudon Wainwright the third, and oh. they had a, a daughter who is making music now, uh, or, or was in the in the two thousands. Like there's this, there's a, a big family legacy there, and yeah. I mean this is just my shit. It's three siblings just like doing mm-hmm. something that they love and. Uh, mm-hmm. the stuff that they made out of that is just so incredible. It's like Marx Brothers. Marx Brothers. Well, I guess there were more than three, though, weren't there? Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Counting Mario. Uh-huh. But not Waluigi. Get that shit out of here. <laughs> he's, a, he's a nephew at best. I want to thank Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song. It's talking about good freaking songs. That is a very good song. Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Thanks for letting us use it. Thanks to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. You can uh, go there, check out all the great shows like Story Break. And Bubble. And Mission to Zix. And Can I Pet Your Dog. And Beef and Dairy Network and so many more. And we have stuff at McElroy.Family, a bunch of new merch, some fanny packs are up on there. It's mm-hmm. wild, man. We're you having a You can still get that Rachel's Poetry Corner pin. Rachel's Poetry Corner is good. And I think my throat is going to be able to produce about like six more words. Yeah, same here. <laughs> so let's... Choose them wisely, okay? Uh, thank you to everybody that entered into the Jumbotron drawing. It is now closed. Uh, but we had a lot of good good folks turn out for that. And I hope you get your Jumbotron up on the show. I ran out of words. I need to drink this word juice. Drink some word juice. I've... Damn it. <laughs> Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. You wept as we crafted the tragic tale of Jar Jar, a Star Wars story. Yeah. Dude, like he forgives Darth Vader. <laughs> Misa still love you, Annie. <laughs> you gasped out loud at the shocking twists of Face Off 2. Face is wild. He takes his kid's face. What? <laughs> now we're writing an entire screenplay week by week on Story Bricks Season 2, Heaven Heist. Hey folks, Freddie Wong here with some exciting news about Story Break, the writer's room podcast where three Hollywood professionals have one hour to spin cinematic gold. We're shaking up our format by turning Heaven Heist, one of our favorite ideas we've ever come up with on the show, into a full screenplay. Heaven Heist is an action comedy about a crew of misfit gangsters robbing the celestial bank of heaven. Think of Coco meets Point Break. Join us as we write this crazy movie scene by scene and get an inside look at the screenwriting process on our podcast Story Break every Thursday on MaximumFun.org.